Are you looking for a new podcast that talks about, well, everything? If so, you might want to try out my new podcast, Because I Want to Know. The show where I get into people's heads and discuss how the choices in their lives have affected them. We could be talking about anything from true crime, the paranormal, or, I don't know, metal detecting. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty of what makes people do what they do. A kind of stalking you just can't do on Facebook. So join me each Monday as I sit down and have a chat with some amazing and fascinating guests going through seemingly ordinary lives. talk to you about something yeah uh, so i started watching the last dance right uh-huh and i feel like they should have either we need a medical awareness or they should have renamed it to the men with bent fingers oh, okay yeah because their fingers are literally going in every direction everyone except for dennis rodman who also has his fingernails painted so maybe do you think there's a conspiracy there? Maybe if they all were fingernail polish, then maybe their fingers wouldn't get bent like that. Gosh, some of those boys are just like like they have swastikas on their hands. It's just bent oh, finger yeah, city. Like, yeah. I was like, God, you like shake their hand and their pinkies like down below or Michael, <laughs> like all of his fingers are fucked up. Mm-hmm. And not to mention their hands are the size of <laughs> hubcaps. Well, I'm like, is there nothing they can do? Can they not straighten their fingers out? Sheesh. You know how old people just get that already? The gnarled hand? So I imagine old people where your job is physical, I bet that uh, you get real gnarly real quick. There's one of the linemen, he's like a TV guy for NFL Network, and one of his fingers is almost at a 90 degree angle. I think it's his pinky. Yeah. I'm just like, can they not, like do anything to like get it back in place like at this point just re-break the thing and set it where it's supposed to be i assume that happens because you break it and you don't repair it properly and you're just kind of like taping it that's probably exactly what happened when that happened he was on the football field he got his figure probably stuck in somebody's helmet and it Mm. was it was probably touching his hand so then he (laughs) he went to the sideline the trainer ripped it back to where it should be taped it to his ring finger and said you're good to go pal (laughs) God. So, what is wrong with Michael Jordan's eyes? Does he I have glaucoma? Know. I don't know. I just I was like at first I was like Jesus, he's crying a lot during <laughs> the, during his own documentary, but it turns out uh I, he's got to have something wrong with him. Those wet red eyes, they look painful. Also, Larry Bird as an old man, I think he has cancer right now, I think, right? Does he? I he looks Fucking uh, rough. Yeah, well, he's an old man, too. Yeah, he kind of literally starting to look like Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> like, from the Michael Keaton movie. I'm just like, holy shit, Larry, what's going uh, on? I think, I do think he is, he was diagnosed with a form of cancer or something, I think. Larry. 
Get I, better. Yes, please do. I mean, he's rich. He'll be fine, but... Uh... Which one of you motherfuckers is coming in second? That's what he said as he went out <laughs> for the three-point contest that he dominated. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, Larry. He seems like a cool cat, though. Shit talker, for sure. Yeah, he mm-hmm. seemed like that. Uh, you know who I was surprised? Magic Johnson seems very nice. Yes, yes. He seems like a very nice man. All things considered. Mm. Unlike Charles Barkley, who <laughs> I've heard... Is one of the biggest assholes of all time. Well, is he? He is he? I haven't gotten that far. I think I'm only like me. They don't me. really talk about Barkley that much. Okay. In there. I saw Carl Malone. Oh yeah. yeah I yeah, saw. Yeah. Uh, man, the Kobe thing. Patrick Kinda Ewing. Sad. Yeah, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. The Kobe part. Oh yeah. Really sad though. Without MJ, there is no Kobe. <laughs> That's that was his like line there. I saw Shaq walking around the background. Nobody talked to him. Uh. Uh-uh. Shaquille O'Neal. He's a big, goofy bastard. Big Irish fuck. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam, sitting across from me this week, and only sitting across from me. Mm. Sitting across from no one else, <laughs> and next to no one, is Cody. Hello, Adam. How's your week? Uh, it was pretty good. Very productive. Did you? Well, how so? What did you do? I just worked on the episode we're about oh. to talk about this oh. week quite a bit. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. whole thing. I yeah, guess they yeah. don't just come out of nowhere. I no. guess you actually have to cl- clack around and work on them a little Un- bit. Unlike the guys on Last Chance You, I can't just ask my friends for the notes oh. so I can just read them. Oh, new. <laughs> you you big dumb idiot, new. I, I was confused. Some people call them new and some people call them new. Yeah, well, white so, people call him New because, okay. you know, and yeah. then Islanders call him New Ooh because that's his name. Mm. I wonder, I think, I don't know, he has he has high hopes for the future, I think. I don't think he's going anywhere. You don't think so? I think he's, I think he is going to go back to what he was doing originally, which is being a Walmart greeter because he does not have what it takes to be a, f- be a big boy football player. You don't think so? I don't. I think he's got the physique for it. He's got the physique, he's got the head, he's got the fucking arms for it, but he doesn't, like the coach was saying, he doesn't go in the weight room, he doesn't get his workouts in, he's scared to leave Oakland with his young family. I think he just wants a family, though. It's a problem. And, uh, <laughs> Noir, or, why can't I ever say his name, is it Neor? Noir. No, no, Dior. Dior. Yeah. <laughs> you got me Dior. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like film <laughs> noir. <laughs> Dior's dad when we were talking about it earlier, and or you were saying, yeah, he's kind of a dick, and you remember the part where he's like, yeah, I made him wear, or his, he made him wear <laughs> a girl's outfit to yeah. school, and I, my first thought, maybe it's because of what we talk about all the time, but I'm like, man, that's how you make a serial killer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You want to fuck a kid up forever. That's like just torment him like that. But yes, he was an asshole, an abusive dick, and he. And they talked about how he would put him in his pads and throw him against yeah. the tree and then throw him against the light post. And that's it sounds bad, but our coach had us do that shit too. But this isn't a <laughs> this isn't an abuse contest. I just think I don't know, based on what that documentary shows, I don't know if it's as awful as Mr. Dior Walker Scott is making it out to be. The thing was is that when he was trying to I guess, reconnect with his son, and they go to the house. Why did he have to be a dick while he was there? That was brutal. Yeah, like, he's just, like, drinking his beer, like, kind of mocking him a yeah. little bit. Like, come on, dude. You don't got a plan? Mm. Uh, it's no yeah. Good. It's no uh, good. Yeah. 
Good to, good season though. Good, great season. Yeah. I love Coach Beam. I'm a Coach Beam fan. You're a Coach Beam guy, huh? I'm a Beamophile. More so than uh the buddy and the other one. I love the <laughs> linebackers coach who very obviously has a drinking problem. Oh my goodness. <laughs> He's like you want shots, fellas? Like, no, nah, I gotta drive home. He's like, I'll drink his yeah. shots. He's already plastered. Give me my sons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's already shit faced. Oh yeah. I'm just like, holy shit! I uh, think he needs to quit uh, drinking. And that defensive coordinator has aspersions of fucking head coach somewhere. Mm. He wants to be a head coach. You could tell because yeah. when they're at the bar. The dark ass bar, and he's got his fucking Oakleys on the entire time, and he's just talking shit about how Beam runs the show. And it's maybe like, come on, that or maybe he likes cocaine or something. That could be. He <laughs> could be. He could be bald out of his mind. I don't know. I kind of hate when people wear sunglasses indoors when it's not necessary. Not even yeah. like, come on. Yeah, we don't need that. Well. I'll tell you what, I just burped a little bit there. I had chicken tendy salad. It was delicious, Yum. but we are going to get right into the episode. Let's do it. This week, only eight minutes of BS before okay. we start the actual yeah. episode. We're doing better. Let's get after it. Hey, that's how we warm up. Yeah, I know it's, it. It's just what it is. What do they think? They think we can just unlubed up, just jump no. right in? That is inconsiderate mm. to the listeners, and mm. that's inconsiderate to us. Mm. It's just how we operate. Mm. Sorry. Anyway, this week... We will be diving into another big butt. This particular big butt would be extra red and tender because of his... chafing. (laughs) I mean, in a sense, because of his extreme enjoyment of spankings and whippings. Because of the depravity and gruesomeness of this man's crimes, he would earn such nicknames as the Thrill Vulture, Mm. Vampire Man... Ogre of Old Wisteria, Ogre of Murder Lodge. Oh. <laughs> I can't have trouble pronouncing this word. Orgiastic Fiend? Yes, that's what it is. The Orgiastic Fiend, <laughs> which I looked that up, what that word we- means, and it's literally like the gathering of an orgy. Enjoys group sex? I guess. Right. I don't, it doesn't have anything to do with him, right. really. <laughs> The aged thriller killer, the moon maniac, the boogeyman, and his most famous nickname, the gray man. Well, after that, I know exactly Mm. who we're talking about. That is, uh, obviously, at Mr. Albert Fish. Oh, you big old (laughs) creepy fucking animal, yeah. Now, my favorite house painter of all time, (laughs) Albert Fish. I mean, he probably wouldn't be fucking with you technically no i'm not cute enough (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't want my monkey and peewees oh god yeah we're gonna be hearing monkey and peewees quite a bit here uh so let's tell the story of you introduced me to this man uh many years ago when you were telling me hey listen to last podcast on the left and then you're like you gotta listen to elber fish because that's the one there's a specific point that we will talk about later in this part uh, that you explicitly had in your mind that still always sticks in your mind. So. Hey, uh, it, I think that was the first time I actually realized what last podcast meant when they said a gold star moment. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, holy smacoli, they really did this guy. This, like, I would say as far as I built, part one, not too bad. Sure. Part two is going to be probably the more brutal one, and then part three is like half and half, so... Right. Part two is the uh, dark middle chapter. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, we'll get there eventually. Now, Albert Fish 
just might be literally the most depraved serial killer we've ever known. That's my opinion because uh, the brutality and gruesomeness of his crimes, not to mention the fact that he targeted the most vulnerable of all victims being children. I don't know. I guess you could make an argument for the elderly too, but Uh, children seem more... Boy, that's an easy fucking job. Yeah. You know? Ugh. While we know, while we will never know for certain the exact number of molestations, violent attacks, and murders Fish did to children, according to Doctor Wortham, the psychiatrist who would examine Albert Fish in prison, mm-hmm. he estimated Fish most likely molested over a hundred different children Oof. and potentially murdered up to fifteen. <sighs> even, even though, as we will find out throughout the series, he would only confess to three. <clears throat> Now, Dr. Wortham would later say this about Albert Fish after his examination. I can tell you that, (laughs) to the best of my medical knowledge, every sexual abnormality that I have ever heard of, this man has practiced. Not only has he thought about it, not only has he daydreamed (laughs) about it, but he has practiced it. (laughs) Now... The exact number of sexual abnormalities <laughs> that Dr. Wortham was talking about is 17. Whoa! Uh, I will go through all these sexual abnormalities and explain what they are, but let's all keep in mind, this is from 1935, right. so some of them are today considered completely fine as long as everybody's consenting and all of that business. Uh, I kind of wish we had the BDSM master here. Mr. Oh, Fox. no. Ropes McGee. We should call him and Craig in God. to talk oh, about their bondage God. ropes. God. <laughs> Craig's ginger chest hair Uh-oh. tied up with ropes. I can just see it. Maybe we, when we go through these, we should just ask or say which ones those two have probably uh, uh, participated okay. in. Okay. <laughs> we'll do the uh, Jordan and Craig checklist <laughs> okay. as we go through these 17 abnormalities. <laughs> so, sat- uh, sadism... The infliction of pain and bodily injury for sexual satisfaction. Yes. I think that's the ropes, kind of, right? Both of them, yes. Okay. Masochism. Having others inflict pain on oneself in order to obtain sexual pleasure. Jordan's role on this Uh, podcast, yes. Yes. I mean, technically, yes. Verbal (laughs) masochist here. Active and passive flagellation. Absolutely. Uh, Whipping and being whipped. Self-castration and castration. The cutting off of one's own genitals or those of another. I don't think they've done any of those. No, that's got to be a hard no. Yeah, that that's a painful one there. Mm-hmm. Exhibitionism. Showing oneself in the nude, usually done while standing in the window. <laughs> I think everybody does this accidentally. I Well, I'm air drying from my shower. I'll accidentally stand yeah. by the window, yes. But maybe in the fetish world it's like you you need somebody to see you that's what it is if yeah maybe it's an accident it doesn't really matter now when you're standing out the window then this uh abnormality voyeur acts mm. uh peeping and looking at others who are either nude or who perform sexual acts do some peeping tom right stuff this word is very hard to say uh <laughs> pick queer i think that's what it is pickle pickure acts I actually looked this up on Wikipedia, and I don't know if this is an outdated word, but it doesn't even show up. Hmm. So, okay. But it's sticking needles into others or into oneself for sexual motives. I know where this fella yeah. put pictures himself. <laughs> we'll go into that at the very end. Uh, pedophilia, 
sexual acts with children, obviously. Right. Yeah, that is an abnormality. I'll yes. give you that one. Yes. Uh, homosexuality, sexual relations with one's sex. Not an abnormality, just regular. Uh, fellatio, application of mouth to penis. Well, that's <laughs> awful. I, n- I never want that to that's happen. That's the sickest one on this yeah. list right now. What is it also called? Penalintio. <laughs> Penalintio. <laughs> I can see why it's not called that because you can't even pronounce the fucking word. Penalintio. I like, don't know. Like, can you imagine you're asking your significant other for this and you're like, can you perform Pina Linksio on me. Please. And then she's like, what is that, a composer from the yeah. 1600s? She just fucking stabs you in the chest, man. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest sexual release I can have. Honestly, in our Mothman series, uh, they performed quite a few of these, I think. Oh, there was pe- yeah. there was Penaling to go to go around. <laughs> Unfortunately, his dick was too big, so they right. wouldn't fit in their mouths. Right. Uh, cunnilingus, application of mouth to female genitals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Analingus, application of mouth to rectum. Mm. <laughs> uh, coprophysia. Yeah, I've, I know coprophagia, what this one is. I think. Coprophagia. Yeah. Phagia. Eating of feces. Yeah. Ugh. Ooh. I mean, it's yeah. so. I mean, you can do it. I don't know if it's healthy to do it. Undinism, uh, un, undinism, or something like undinism. that. Undinism. Undinism, yeah. Say. Uh, playing with urine, for example, urina- <laughs> urinating in another person's <laughs> mouth. Again, completely fine. Yeah, if go you're into for that. it. Yeah. Uh, fetishism, abnormal preference for one part of the body, such as buttocks. Or for innate <laughs> objects. I mean, if you're a butt man, are you are you fetishism? Maybe those. That just has to be the accepted two fetishes: I, boobies and buddies. Huh? I guess cannibalism, <laughs> the eating of human flesh. That's, that's wrong. Yeah, that's, that's not an social, abnormality. <laughs> not socially acceptable. <laughs> and uh, hyper hyper <laughs> hyperoticism. 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 Hi- <laughs> Abnor- abnormal intensity of the sexual instinct. He's a horny, horny man. Just, okay, yeah. so technically only two of these, maybe three of them are like actually sexual abnormalities. Cannibalism. Pedophilia. Pedophilia and... I mean, I guess you can cut your own balls off if you want. C- castration. Yeah, but the castration, like, even if somebody asks you to do it. That's, I'm going to call that an abnormality. What if you Don't do it cut to off someone's, then you're f- a fucked up person. <laughs> you're really fucked up. I mean, maybe let a doctor do it. True. If you want it. Like, so really, the only one on here that's actually really that bad is cannibalism. Right. Well, pedophilia. And pedophilia. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I was going to say, you might want to throw that out there. You bury that one at number <laughs> eight, and I just keep, my eyes just keep going right over it. Uh, you head over to... Ah, uh, what the hell's the name of the bondage bar? Uh, ground Zero. I, ground Zero. <laughs> You'll get experience most of these. Oh. So, oh, probably been, a clean sweep, 17 the, to 17. <laughs> I don't know about cannibalism <laughs> and pedophilia. But. Now, as you can see, Albert Fish is quite the abnormal human being with untold mental illnesses that we will that were never technically diagnosed because of the mental health knowledge of the time period, mm. although... As we find out, we can kind of discuss this uh, at the end, but I kind of think he's schizophrenic. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because he kind of, like, you know. Disassociates yeah, quite often. Yeah, he just kind of, like, 
I, I, it's hard to, hard to explain. Now, there's a interesting comparison I wanted to talk to you about. So, remember when we did Dennis Nielsen and episode talked, four? Yeah, and we talked about his comparison to Jeff Dahmer, and they kind of were killing around the same time period. Well, around when Albert Fish was killing, they had a man in Germany, I believe, is Germany named Fritz Harman. Mm. You ever heard of him? Mm-mm. So what he would do is kidnap kids. Um, torture them because that's how he got off. Right. And then he would literally bite their necks and essentially bite their head off. Like, that's <laughs> how he killed them. And he was obviously into cannibalism, too. So it's very strange. Two, one of the weirdest people in history, and there's another one at almost the exact same time. Well, how does that happen? I, what is the deal? I bet if we could, like, map out serial killers, you'd find, like, a comparison. Definitely. Especially if we could get real numbers from Russia during the Soviet era about their so in, about their serial killers instead of saying they had like two. Yeah, I bet I'm there's sure I bet a there's lot. a Soviet uh, allegory or not allegory a Soviet equal for every <laughs> single American or British serial killer. Uh, like, do you think? I guess I don't really know. During like hardcore communism, you think the really starving people were eating each other? Maybe why not? They I were mean, during the siege of Stalingrad. Were they? Oh, yeah. Eating each other. Oof. There was no food, and the I Nazis mean, were everywhere. I mean, Elbert Fish claims that what got one of the things that got him into cannibalism was hearing that the Chinese were doing that. What? During... He just loves the Chinese culture? And well, wants... he, he, he was reading about, because there's so many starving people back, I don't know when, but right. uh, he heard stories that they started to eat each other, uh. and then... He wanted to taste it. But we'll get into that much later. It's human meat. <laughs> he says it's the best. <laughs> so I suppose it's time to tell you the disjointed life of Albert Fish. And keep in mind, most of this information was taken straight from Albert Fish's mouth. So take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> as usual with most serial killers. <laughs> now, I want to say uh, I got all this information from the book Deranged from Mr. Harold Schechter. Probably Excellent. the best... I mean, God, he's just such a good writer. He's like top notch. But uh, putting this episode into podcast format from his <laughs> research notes was insanely hard <laughs> because I'd have to like I'd be reading the book. I'm like, OK, on page 20, he talks about a little bit about Albert Fish's childhood. OK, OK, now on page 109, he continues <laughs> talking about Albert Fish's childhood. And it's like over and over and over. And I'm just like, Jesus Homeboy gets distracted and he he just gets after it. He his books he really likes to like talk about the atmosphere surrounding um like the murder. So yeah, you had Albert Fish, but he talks about all the other crimes similar to what Albert Fish did that was happening in New York at the time. Excellent. So we'll be talking about that because he really puts you in the time frame, right? And New York, as we're going to talk about in part two, had. A huge problem with kidnappings. Oh, I don't think that's ever gone away. <laughs> I hope it's not as bad as, as this time. Did you ever hear about after 9-11 when uh, there was like so many fucking kidnappings immediately after 9-11? Really? Yeah. I wonder why. Because they're like, the police were all busy. So they're like, okay. shit was just getting done on that day in Oof. the underworld. God damn. Anyway, Albert Hamilton Fish was born on May 19th. 1870 in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Mm. 
His mother was Ellen Fish of Scottish and Irish descent, <laughs> and his father was Randall Fish of English heritage. He's very proud of his English heritage, mm. by the way. Why not? Now, Fish's father, Randall, was 43 years older Ooh. than his wife, Ellen, was. Ooh. And when Albert was born, Randall was already 75 oh, years old. Which is way older than the <laughs> than what you're supposed to make it to in 1870. I mean, yeah. I, how is he still? I thought, like, your dick quits working at that age. <laughs> I guess Randall's just ready to fuck. Randall's a randy little goat, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, wait till you hear how many kids he has. Now, Randall Fish, according to Albert, was a boat captain for the Potomac River that ran from Washington to Marshall Hall, but it appears by the time Albert was born, Randall was working for a fertilizer manufacturing company. How toxic do you think that was in 1870? Oh, just explosive and (laughs) toxic at the same time. I bet Randall and, and like, all Randall and all his co-workers, their job is literally to just shit in a giant thing. They would just sell it. Just poopy in the bucket? You just got (laughs) to poop all day long. That's your job. (laughs) Interestingly, Randall apparently had even reached the level of a 32nd degree mason as well. That is, like, the evil level. That's, like, top notch, dude. You're in there. Yeah. As far as his mother was concerned, it, it appears as if uh, she must have been a stay-at-home wife and mother, which is pretty common for the time period. So she didn't do anything of note. It didn't That was worth remembering, it. yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Elbert had three living older siblings at the time of his birth. Keep in mind, living. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> it was the 1800s. Yep. Uh, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. Now, it is a little confusing because the book I used to research mentions that Randall had a total of 12 children, and his wife, Ellen, had a total of seven children. So, I don't really know if they kind of like, Randall had some, she had some, then they had more on their own. He's 43 years older than her, so there's a good chance he plucked her right out of... (laughs) 18 year old this and then gave her seven children and he Mm. already had five from 43 years of living (laughs) before her well i mean they put a big note on living children so it's like how i don't know how many of these are even still alive that's isn't that why you were supposed to have a big family back then is because yeah it's how you're not workers you're only supposed to expect like three in ten to make it to adulthood We we live in a, we live in a very good uh, time. A very also. comfortable yeah. time as yeah. far as infant mortality goes. You don't need to keep shitting out kids just to like make sure you have workers on the farm <laughs> to make sure you don't starve and freeze <laughs> yeah. to death. Yeah. Now, by the time Albert reached five years old, his father would pass away due to a heart attack on October sixteenth, eighteen seventy-five. <sighs> it's like the time just ran out on the old cocksucker. That's from basketball. 80, Eighty years old, though. That's a that's amazing. He, I mean, for eighteen seventy-five, that's great. Mm. Uh, he would be buried at the Grand Lodge of the Congressional Cemetery. So he's in a Mason grave. That is some some high-level Mason. (laughs) You're in the Illuminati tomb. (laughs) Being that Albert was only five years old, the only real memory he had of his father was that he liked to refer to Albert as... A stick in the mud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my dad used to call me a stick in the mud. (laughs) Oh, that's a great only memory of your dead father. (laughs) I mean, I don't remember anything when I'm five, do you? (sighs) My first memory 
uh, is in the trailer park where I grew up peeling a giant dog shit that had pancaked onto the bottom of my foot. Okay. I stepped in it. Okay. Yeah. I, interesting memory. Yeah. Interesting memory. Now, Albert liked to brag about his family's history because one of his supposed relatives was the governor of New York in the 1850s and later would become the U.S. Secretary of the State for President Ulysses S. Grant. Wow. Now, I looked this guy up. And we believe his name is Hamilton Fish. Okay. But we don't know if they're actually related. He just liked to say they were related. I see. So, I see. Yeah. Well, Jesus, I want, I wish there was a 23 and me we could do for these fellers. <laughs> I, it's weird, too. It's like all of his kids and stuff, I we don't really hear about them. Hmm. Like his kids or what would be his grandkids mm -hmm. or great-grandkids. Nobody, maybe they don't want to be associated with them. Yeah, maybe they wanted to die, but it's like, well, guess what? Albert was a fucked up man <laughs> yeah. and everybody needs to know about him. H.H. <laughs> uh, H. Holmes' uh, kid, is it his grandson or great-grandson won't shut up about his relationship with him, so. Well, and now There's every that. day they're figuring out that H.H. H. Holmes might, might have been less and less. Even more innocent? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard that too. It's kind of like we uh, when Phil and I were recording, uh, we brought up Elizabeth Bathory, and I'm like, uh, I wouldn't doubt if she didn't do any of that. Right? They just made it up so they could take all her shit. Ugh, right? You know? So who knows? To discredit a, yeah. a noble family. Mm, yep. That's how history works. That's exactly how it works. Whether that is actually true or not, we don't know. Like I said, but Albert, a piece of Albert's history that we certainly do know is that within just two generations of Albert Fish, they had discovered there was no less than seven cases of extreme psychopathology within his family. Really? Yes. It's <laughs> fucking uh, hereditary. Yeah. So it kind of explains him. Yes. Uh, his paternal uncle suffer suffered from a religious psychosis, oh. which, which is funny because he kind of does. Definitely. He loves the Bible. When he's wrapped in a rug, we'll get mm, to it, I'm oh, sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, his half-brother was confined to the state hospital for the insane. His younger brother died of hydrocephalus, yeah. or as Albert would call it. Water on the brain. I don't know how he sounds, but <laughs> I'm going like, to say water on the brain. Do you know the old man from Don't Breathe? Yeah, yes, yes, He's yes. that yes, guy. Yes. All right. I'm going to come at you. I don't know how he sounds either. <laughs> what? And he's like, water on the brain. All right. Water on the brain. <laughs> there you go. You <laughs> nailed it. Uh, Fish claims his sister... Had some sort of mental affliction. <laughs> <laughs> and his mother also suffered from some sort of mental illness. One of their neighbors later said she was very queer in as much as she heard noises on the street and saw things. I would say there's something going on if your mom's just hearing noises and seeing things in the in the street. There. She's uh, slightly touched, <laughs> some could say. <laughs> so... There's a lot of mental illness in his family, and they, they don't really know how to, you know, help it in in this time period, obviously. Now, after his father passed away, his mother decided that she could no longer take care of Albert. Uh, some sources claim the reason that she did this was because she was unemployed. Yeah. So, Albert was sent off to the St. John's Orphanage in Washington, oh. D.C., now, it was pretty common uh, for the time period for any sort of orphanage to essentially be a child's worst nightmare, and St. John's was no exception. 
in between you, the slave labor, the beatings, the yeah. probably obvious and constant sexual abuse, if I were to guess. Well, let, let's see. Who who do we know for certain? We know Carl Panzram had to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, Charles Manson had to deal yeah. with it. Like, anybody during that time period, just like... Little Orphan Annie? Yeah. He's <laughs> waiting for Daddy Did Warbucks. Did molested, too? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Animal crackers in my butt. Uh, at St. John's Orphanage, Albert would witness the other children performing all sorts of acts on each other. Uh, uh, he learned the art of petty crime, and most of all, learned to associate pain with pleasure. That's a great education for a kid <laughs> that's already fucked psychologically because yeah. of his family. <laughs> we should ask Jordan if this is how he got into BDSM. <laughs> <laughs> now, straight out of Dr. Wortham's mouth, he said... One of the guardians there, a sister or teacher, had the habit of frequently whipping the boys and taking six at a time and having them strip and having one see what happens to the others. And he remembers very vividly seeing the other boys whipped. And he recalls that before the age of seven, he had his first sexual feeling. I'm kind of... How do you remember that? Like, do you remember your first sexual feeling? Uh, like I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't remember at seven years old. I can't remember associating. I can't remember for the first time associating pretty girl with sex. Mm. I I remember the girl I first had a crush on was definitely the first girl that I thought about having sex with, but I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember when that came about. I think one of my biggest problems is is like. If anybody who's seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, I feel like that is how Albert Fish was born, but he never got younger. He just right. kept like an old man growing oh. through his whole life. He just had progeria yeah. forever. Yeah. It's gross. Progeria uh, through the ages. He's a gross looking man. Uh, Jesus he's, Christ. He's creepy. He looks yeah. like a fucking, he looks like the people of Innsmouth from uh, 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 Call of Cthulhu. Is that a game? It's a game, yes. It, I don't, yes. I never played it. You should. It's good. Maybe. Yeah. The problem is, is that it was good back when computers could run it, and now <laughs> I'm not sure. And uh, it was only good on computers. The Xbox port was broken as fuck, so I'm not even sure. So how does one come to even play it? <sighs> you got to do some backwards installing of Windows 95 or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Elbert Fish later said this about not only himself, but also about the orphanage. I am a man of passion. <laughs> you don't know what that means unless you are my kind. At the orphanage where they put me just before Garfield was assassinated, there were some <laughs> older boys that caught a horse in a sloping field. They got the horse up against a fence down at the bottom of the field and tied him up. An old horse. They put kerosene on his tail and lit it and cut the rope. Away went that old horse, busting through fences to get away from the fire. But the fire went with him. That horse, <laughs> that's me. That's the man of passion. The fire chases you and catches you, and then it's in your blood. And after that, it's the fire that has control, not the man. Blame the fire of passion for what Albert H. Fish has done. Now, uh... I would say Michael Jordan's a man of passion, okay? Mm, mm. And I don't think he did any of the shit mm. right here. I think Michael Jordan was his own horse on fire. <laughs> I don't believe he had to kill and eat children in order to do that. Have I heard before, if you start a horse's... Or, like, if you were to cut off a horse's tail or whatever, it doesn't grow back, right? I don't know. So but... if he burnt off the horse's tail, oh. I don't think it'll come back. I mean, I don't think he's going to be, like... Uh, I'm trying to think of like a fire horse and it's something. 
That's like, all uh, I get. one of them Pokemons. Yeah. Uh, oh, like, uh, Rap, Rapidash. No. Yeah. 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 Rap, po, po, Ponita. Pony, Ponita. 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 Yes. Pony. Ponita. Yeah. Yeah. But that thing's <laughs> meant to be on fire. Right. Maybe That's a they, fire horse. Maybe this is where Pokemon got the idea from. They read this. Oh, Albert H. Fish's passion letter. Yeah. They read that and were like, <laughs> Ponyta. <laughs> but what's interesting about this story is we don't actually know if it's true or not, but the Dr. Wortham thinks there's a connection because one of Fish's favorite activities later in life would be to soak a cotton ball in alcohol insert it into either his asshole or just set it in the crack or put it in another person's ass or in their crack then light uh, it on fire. What? So he thinks he uses a story because he likes to light his ass on fire so much. Oh, this is, oh my gosh. He's okay. Like, he's like created this poetic story Holy about it. Holy shit, he's with, a furry. Yeah. <laughs> is this what a furry does? He thinks he's a pony, Ta. <laughs> he, he thinks he's a horse that caught fire. He's like, I just got Pokemon Blue, and I can't quit <laughs> playing it, and I really want to be a Ponyta. And maybe I'll evolve finally into the, I don't remember what the fire one is. Fireita. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's Rapidash. Rapidash? It might be. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. just doesn't make sense to me. Why? Because he's What's it, you just fast horse? It's usually like right on the, uh, I suppose. It's like right on the nose usually about the names. I feel like, I feel like Elmer Fish would be more like a Miss, Mr. Mime. He looks like a Magikarp. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. <laughs> he definitely going to become a Gyarados. I'll tell you that much. Oh, no. What if a, a fucking Magikarp got itself <laughs> on the water, then started injecting itself with pins <laughs> and lighting its asshole on fire? That would be the other fish. I wish I was a Rapidash, but <laughs> yeah. I'm a fucking Magikarp. <laughs> he liked to get caught just to get the needles <laughs> in his mouth. The hooks. <laughs> now, a few other things that we learned about Fish's time at St. John's Orphanage was that he exhibited one of the most common traits in serial killers, bedwetting. Bed yeah, which he experienced all the way up until age 11. Mm-hmm. Albert was also an extremely sensitive child. His birth name was actually Hamilton Howard Fish, uh-huh. named after his alleged uh, famous uncle or right, whatever right. the hell it is. Secretary of State to Ulysses yeah. S. Grant. And because he got so upset at the other children at the orphanage calling him Ham and eggs. <laughs> he decided to change his name to Elmer Fish. Ham and eggs. That doesn't even make sense. I, I don't. Well, Hamilton, ham and eggs. I don't know. He's a little baby. He's such a see. little bitch baby. But he named himself Albert because his younger brother, who had uh, hydrocephalus, died. So he just took his. Na- I don't know if that's gotcha. what you do. Not like you have a dead sibling. You're like, I'm just gonna take your name. Well, they t- they would take their wives and stuff and family and be like, I will okay. raise your family. Dad. You gotta take over <laughs> for my wife and family. I'm the new dad now. All of a sudden, that's right. <laughs> uh, Fish also said, "I sang in the choir from 1880 to 1884, soprano at St. John's." <laughs> He's very proud of his choir career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. His four-year lead soprano role. Can you imagine him singing? That ugly little church boy. Gross. Now, the very last point of contention regarding his time at the orphanage is that I believe this is when he started to become very obsessed with religion. And as we will find out, according to Fish at least, 
a lot of his motivations for the murder and torture and self-torture revolved around his religious beliefs. Mm. Regarding children, he became very obsessed with the story of Abraham and Isaac. Uh, hell, one of his absolute favorite Bible passages he had memorized from Isaiah 36.12 read, But Rabshakeh said, Hath not my master sent me to thy master and thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? Why is that in the Bible? (laughs) I don't know. Why is that eating shit and piss? Why is that in the Bible? Who is Rabshakeh? I don't know, but apparently he's freaky. He's got some fetishes. Maybe it's like... (laughs) I was gonna say maybe it's one of Jordan's like ancient as- ancestors, but I don't know. <laughs> <Rabshik> Fox, <laughs> biggest bondage rope collection in the land, right here. No, I I'm just like, why is this in the Bible? Mm. I do not know why. And how did he find it? Ugh. Like, uh, we're gonna talk about more later on, but like, man, there's ones about killing kids, like oh, yeah. eating kids, like fucking sacrifice, like Jesus. What is going on in that book? Those morality tales were pretty extreme. Yeah. But uh, like we mentioned earlier, um, we're not sure if Albert Fish was using this as a, an excuse or if he actually really did have some sort of religious psychosis yeah. like his uncle um, or he was just using the Bible as an excuse to kill and torture kids, which I'm barely certain he enjoyed. That's uh, it's how he got off, right? That's... Yeah. That's... Unfortunately, a lot of people use that textbook for that reason. Mm. It could be a mixture of both, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We do, we don't know. It's so long that we don't really know. You know it's psycho. It's got to be. That's, but that's what I'm saying. Could he possibly have been schizophrenic or like something where uh-huh. he was envisioning this stuff? Or I don't Or maybe he's a good liar. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know. We'll get there. Now, Fish would remain uh, at the orphanage till almost the age of nine when his mother allegedly found a job and apparently... It was a job for the government. Nice. I don't know if you got good benefits like you do now, but uh, whatever. Uh, she would finally get him out of the orphanage. Now, what happened from nine until he reached the age of 24 is kind of up in the air. <laughs> but according to Fish himself, after his time at St. John's Orphanage, it has seemed to unlock something very deep inside of him. Through his teenage years, he was a homosexual prostitute, mm-hmm. basically... Just a young boy sit on street corners and turn tricks, mm-hmm. right? But it's weird because I think he he's not doing it for money. He just wants to do it. Companionship. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, when Fish was in his early 20s, he made a trip overseas to Brussels. Brussels. Where he visited all sorts of brothels that specialize in flagellation and other sadomasochistic acts. Also, I hear Fish would practice oral perversions on the rectums of men and women. There we go. He also became extremely interested in urine. Uh, Germans are very progressive that they, way, aren't oh, they? Oh, they love the pee-pee, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. And the poo-poo. And the poopy. Um, uh, that's yeah. the thing. Europe Europe has always been sex-forward, progressive, sex-forward. The problem is uh, America's not. No. So maybe he should have stayed in Brussels, and he could have been fine. <laughs> he could have paid for all of the things he wanted at all times instead of having to bring that trash back here. Maybe the movie Euro Trip is actually a secret documentary about uh, Elmer Fish. What could remember, have happened? Remember the kid who goes into the brothel, and then they the Germans tie him up, 
And they're putting the monkey clapper on his balls. Right. Fish would have been loving every minute oh, of that. And then the God. big German guys in the little skirts come in. He would have loved that. According to Fish, from the age of 17, he had also discovered the career choice he would do for the rest of his life, which is, of course, house painting, mm. along with being a handyman as a side gig. But sure. I think it seems like people during this time period, like, you had a job, and then you just automatically were a handyman. You just hustle yeah, on the side? Yeah, it's just yeah. like, I'm a handyman. I don't know what that means, but you're just a handyman. <sighs> you can keep your house running and your horse in check i guess i mean i guess if you're just pounding nails into things then you're anybody can be a handyman definitely (laughs) now as we know one of the biggest reasons that he stuck with this job was because it put him in close proximity to children at all times Mm -hmm. fish claimed that with him being a painter it allowed him to travel around quite a bit he claimed that he was able to visit at least 23 different states spanning from new york all the way to montana and was a sexual deviant and predator the entire time. From sea to shining sea. Yeah. He, he predated across the nation. Ugh, it's, I, it seems like he's never home. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just mm-hmm. traveling. Like, all the t- like even when most of his, his attacks, murders happen in New York, he's still, like, fucking everywhere. I Hitting don't the know. railways how do you stuff. get? How do you get, like, a painting job... In Illinois. Like, I think you just roll into Illinois. Just go in there. And, and, and somebody's going to need something painted somewhere. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I suppose. Do you think that True Detective Season 1 took some Albert Fish inspiration by making the the man like a, he's like a handyman painter at the school and stuff, cuts all the lawns and stuff? Certainly could have. I but wonder. that guy, that was more of a cult thing, wasn't it? What? Yeah, because his whole family was like. Right. Doing some child sacrifice cult thingy. I don't know, but uh, obviously he's about as creepy as Albert Fish was. That show gives me the heebies. I might rewatch it soon. It's so good. So good. Now, although Fish claimed he didn't fully mentally snap and escalate into murder until after his first marriage ended, that seemed to just kind of, we'll get into that, but that just seemed to like, I don't know. You have like the orphanage and then you have his bondage stuff and whatever yeah. and then loving kids and then that happens and then it's just like no holds barred with this fucker so hmm. jumping back to 1894 at the age of 24 fish decided to move to new york where he then invited his mother to move in with him from washington dc they would live in a nice little apartment at number 76 west one uh, 101st Street. Beautiful. Now, in 1898, his mother arranged for him to be married to a woman named Anna Mary Hoffman, who was nine years younger than him, making her 19 year old, 19 years old, and him 28 years old. So hmm. he's kind of following in his father's footsteps, but to a lot more reasonable level. Oh, I think so. I think <laughs> yeah. so. I definitely think nine's a better better spread than 43. <laughs> Now, from 1898 to 1917, Albert and Anna would have six children, Gertrude, Anna, Eugene, Henry, John, and Albert Fish Jr. I feel bad for that guy because that is your neighbor life, dude. (laughs) An interesting thing is Dr. Wortham in the book believed that his wife, Anna, had to have at least the slightest bit of an idea of what Albert Fish's fetishes were. Sure. So, and it's backed up a little bit by the fact that Anna said later, he used to beat himself with a whip. Mm. So she was very well aware of what he liked to do. Plus, if you're with a lady, mm. she's going to, you know, it's stuff's going to happen for that long. You got six kids. 
things are going to slip out. You know what's about in- what you're into. What's interesting, they correlate to because he is obviously a pedophile, right? Right. But the doctor says that he, how could he get married and have kids? Well, he just kind of like, I, how do you explain? It's just like, it's like a secondary thing to him. Like that was the right thing to do in the time period. So that's what he did. But the pedophile stuff with his was his main focus. Right. So he could have the kids and still live this other life. All of them did it. Yeah, Brutos, all of them. Right. So what exactly happened between Anna and Albert that led to their downfall. Well, the story goes that a boarder named John Strube uh, had been living with the family for a while. I don't know why this is a thing. This was a thing in Marianne Cotton, too. You just, like, let strangers live in your Absolutely. house. Absolutely. This was, there was no money. There was no money anywhere, <laughs> yeah. and there were, people couldn't afford homes either, and they couldn't afford the homes they were living in, so you just have boarders with you. Well, he, we're going to learn he shouldn't. she shouldn't have invited him. And, Mr. Straub might yes. be uh, a little bit of a home wrecker. Mm-hmm. Then on January 17th, 1917, Anna had given her children some change and told them, here, why don't you guys go out and watch some movies? Ooh. Well, when the children returned home, they soon discovered their mother and John Straub had taken every single piece of furniture from the home left a few pennies in the bathtub and a note for them to give to their oh, father. Now, what a jerk. Now, Albert at the time was living in White Plains because he was finishing a painting job for the Second Presbyterian Church in Terrytown. After hearing the news, Fish rushed back home, picked up his children, and took them to his sister's to stay for a few days. Yeah. After this, he moved their little family to Westchester and rented a home for them to stay in until he was finished with his painting job. Now, you might be thinking, Anna Fish had just abandoned her family and left her children behind with one of the worst psychopaths the world's mm. world would ever know. But surprisingly, Fish actually treated his children very well. He never struck them. He always tried to provide everything they uh, would need. And apparently one story goes that if he caught any of the kids uh, mistreating an animal, he would say, you need to treat that animal better. Wow. Which is weird for a serial killer. Yes. I mean... Maybe he's got a soft spot for animals, but usually they kill him too. Unless he's just so fucked up, he wants to be like, hey, I love killing animals, but it, you can't kill the animals. In the BTK sense, he treats his family like really well, mm-hmm. all his kids and stuff. So anyway, now about three months after Anna had left with John Straub, Anna had mailed a letter to their daughter Gertrude and explained that John was beating her. Once Albert found out, he told his daughter to mail their mother back and tell her, come on home. Oh. And so Anna did that. But about a week after she returned home, Albert was away on a painting job, and John Straub just so happened to show up, begging Anna to take him back. Jesus. So she let John live in the upstairs attic. Oh, my God. She would sneak food up to him and whatnot while Albert... Wouldn't figure it out for quite some time. But once Albert found out that Straub was living in his attic, Fish demanded that he leave. But, again, Anna could continue to live with them. Mm. But unfortunately, Anna decided to move out with John Straub, and this time it would be for good. He's clearly not a good man. I mean, Albert Fish isn't a good man, but this he's not. I mean, you could probably whoop Albert Fish's ass, to be honest with you. John Straub, he's clearly an asshole. God damn. What a ridiculous thing. He's just a, he just be quiet up there in the attic. <laughs> Albert's coming home. 
Anna and John Straub would eventually have three of their own children after they got married. Fish wrote this later. The thing that started me on the real big things I have done in the last 15 years was the the trouble I had in 1917 with my wife and John Straub. (laughs) Marriage is not all that it is cracked up to be, but it certainly serves one purpose. So long as the man and woman keep the bargain, they will both stay out of other trouble. It is a good safety valve. As long as Anna stuck to me and the children kept coming one after the other until there were six, I might have had my outside fancies but would keep my end of the bargain. But when I found about Strobe, my eyes were open to the fact that no bargains hold that only fools know any restraints. That freed me. It threw off my chains. I had a right after that to any fun I could find or grab. So, yeah, he's, uh, see what I mean? He claims he was doing fucked up shit, but now it's like no reason not to take it to another level. Now it's an extreme rules match. Yeah. Falls count anywhere. So, having said all of that, why don't we talk about a few events that I believe transpired during the time Albert and Anna were married. So, firstly, from 1902 to 1905, he was convicted of grand larceny and spent apparently three years in Sing Sing prison, (laughs) uh, which, ironically, he would be returning to much later in life. Oh, that's, like, really not a good spot to be. So... I've heard mixed reports. Some say that he did three stints in prison for three separate stealings, and some say he stole uh, whatever he stole and then spent three years in there. So I don't really know. Huh. But don't you think Anne would be like, where's your father? He's been gone for three years. Like, is she not wondering where he is? Are the kids not wondering where he is? How did... Did she never questioned it? I don't know. It never got brought up. Maybe he just said... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she just didn't care. Maybe he was gone so much she didn't care. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's just so strange because she doesn't talk really when he's you know in jail and everything. She doesn't really want hardly anything to do with him anyway. So. Sure. I mean, she's getting dug out by Straub and shit. So. <laughs> now, uh, Fish claimed that another time he had kept an African American boy tied up in a shack. By the Potomac River in Washington for several weeks, completely naked. Now, he claims he had actually intended to kill this boy, but never did for whatever reasons that uh, he doesn't even know. Hmm. But I think it's because he was married or something, and he didn't quite give in to his fantasies quite yet. He didn't want to cross that line. I believe that's why. Sure. Another time, Fish had abducted a young boy, tied him up, and whipped him violently on both sides of his body. Because the boy's genitals were bleeding so badly, Fish claimed uh, he got scared and fled the city. Mm -hmm. Then there's the event Mm. that happened in 1911 with a young man named Thomas Kedden. Uh, Oh, I think I I remember this one. Yeah, I think it's going to bring some bells pretty quick here. Now, Kedden was a 19-year-old allegedly mentally impaired boy that would end end up crossing paths with Albert Fish. While Fish was living in St. Louis, Missouri. You don't like the blues. You're lucky the wild aren't playing them, right? Yeah, that is absolutely right. And Lunchbox, good luck. Good luck, Blue. Good luck. I love you, we Lunchbox. Just smo- we just smoked the Cardinals, the Twins did. Beautiful. And then we sent them packing with two cases of coronavirus. Oh, How really? Yeah. Do the Cards have two cases now? Yeah. Oh, no. After they played us. So you're welcome. Now the Twins have it. <laughs> 
The story goes that Keaton had traveled up from the south on a banana train with six other black men. Apparently, the entire trip, the six of them all engaged in sex with each other, mainly fellatio. Huh. Um, uh, do you know what a banana train is? I actually don't. <laughs> Apparently, it's, from what I was looking it up, it's just a train that's like colored to blend in with the app, like the where it's traveling through. So if you have like a, uh, I don't, it kind of described it like if if you're in England, you go through force and stuff. It's gonna be like a green colored train. Oh, they I just guess. don't want it to stand out or something. I don't. It was really strange. It seems like a train should stand out <laughs> so that it's you can avoid it. <laughs> yeah, maybe they wanted to kill people. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> they got all these dudes banging in the back of the train. I, mean, I thought that's why it was a banana train. <laughs> they're all sucking I mean, banana. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> Apparently, when Fish and Keaton initially hooked up, Fish quickly discovered that Keaton was covered in lice. Yeah. So Fish uh, bought a hair remover, and as Fish said... Stripped all the hair off his body, including hair off his pubis. Oh, why does this sound so disgusting? Then, for the next three weeks, the two carried out all sorts of mutual sadistic and masochistic activities... This is how Dr. Wortham described the events. He had this boy whip him, and he played all sorts of games. One was the father, and one was the child. One was the teacher, and one was the child. He forced the boy to pee on him. <sighs> Fish drank the boy's urine and ate his feces, then forced the other one to eat and drink those things, too. So... They probably didn't have Tums during this time, so I'm assuming if you got heartburn from drinking piss and shit, oh, that's what are you going to do? Uric acid. I forgot <laughs> about that. I imagine it would give you a stomachache. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I hope they have some kind of antibiotic. Ugh, I don't. I, I don't. I feel like, how do you not get sick from that? You have to, right? Like you're eating you're literal poopy. waste. You're eating poopy. And if you're like, uh, what's her name from K-Fan, you're going to be having sand piss. Carly? Carly, yeah, you're going to have sedimented piss in your mouth here. <laughs> Apparently, the sexual games the two played started to intensify at a certain point. Fish eventually took a razor and sliced open one of Kedden's butt cheeks, then wrapped his lips around the wound, attempting to drink the blood. <sighs> the final event that transpired was when Fish had tied up Keaton and got him nice and rock hard. Then he pulled out a pair of scissors placed them against his erect penis, and started to cut off his penis, or monkey, as he calls it, intending to cut it off. But Fish said the agonizing look of pain on Keaton's face made him feel bad, so he stopped. Now, what's interesting is I've heard two things. In the book, he vaguely describes this as almost like just the very tip of a penis head cutting it off. Okay. And then the other one's like, at the base. At the base. No, at the base of where the head starts oh. cutting it off. So Why would you do it there, you fucking freak? I. That's why I think it's like the very tip of it. Fuck me. So he still has the penis. He just is like torturing him a little bit. Oh. I don't know. It's weird. Me no likey. It's uh, probably not a safe sexual practice. Just keep my monkey where it <laughs> is monkey? supposed to be. Yeah. I hate calling it that. Keep my monkey where it's supposed to be. Now, after he freaked out about... 
you know, what he had just done. Yeah. Uh, fish put peroxide on the wound, bandaged up the penis with a Vaseline-soaked <laughs> handkerchief, <laughs> left Keaton a $10 bill, gave him a kiss, and took off got getting out of town as fast as he could. I don't know about a Vaseline-soaked handkerchief, Ooh, but, uh, I don't especially know. from him. Oh, my God. Uh, there's so many boogies in there. There's boogers, probably piss and shit and Ooh. blood on it. <sighs> Now, getting out of town as fast as he could seemed to be kind of Fish's uh, Fish's M.O. after an attack. Kind of a good idea. Nobody's got helicopters or, uh, like, cell phones, so they can't be like, we're looking for the gray man, because he can just fuck off to New York again. Exactly, and as, like he said, it kind of makes sense, because he was a painter, he traveled around a lot, he always worked jobs close to children as i mentioned yep. oftentimes he would paint ymcas yeah, fuck. churches yep even homes for the tuber- tubercular oh boy he's now- a real jimmy savile isn't he <laughs> i was just talking about him the other day too oh. the uh the british newscaster is that what he was yeah television presenter yeah he, and he would fucking the nurses would say to the kids pretend you're asleep he won't hurt you if you pretend you're asleep God, that when, is disgusting. When they knew he was coming, they had to, like, prepare them, because nobody would believe that fucking Jimmy Savile was diddling children. Uh, well, let's see if Jimmy Savile did this. Well, while working, uh, Fish generally was completely naked, except for his <laughs> painter's jumpsuit on, which is fine, except for what he does it for. Yeah, uh, He basically was doing that so he could get naked at a moment's notice right. if he needed to. After he was finished, whether he was successful or not, he would grab his tools, which were highly portable, and he would get the hell out of town, making him very hard to track down and arrest. Sure. Now, also with Keaton, why did he try to cut off his monkey? <laughs> well, it is rumored that one of the reasons that Fish had became obsessed with sexual mutilation was because one time... He had looked upon a bisected penis within a waxwork uh, waxwork museum. Oh, hey. Apparently that just did it for him. What about the museum of sex that we talked about in one of our con men episodes? What was, was it? Was it in New York? I think so, yeah. I, this probably was, well, I don't know. If Wasn't that a Soapy New- Smith episode? Didn't he get started Well, conning? Brinkley had like Brinkley, the... Brinkley, Brinkley. He had like the, uh, God, what was the STD that was getting him all during that time? Now, like, give him the green dick. Why can't we think? Not gonorrhea. No. Syphilis. No. Yeah, maybe yeah, it was syphilitic. Yeah. Because I always remember the word syphilitic penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this wasn't a Dr. Brinkley then. It might have been, but I don't know if it was a waxwork. They had, like, the Hall of Fame of, like, syphilitic dicks Ugh. to scare them to then buy their little magic potion. That's right. That's right, man. Holy cow, I miss Brinkley and all those other guys. <laughs> I said that was that's been my favorite one I've done. That's great. I love Brinkley. Uh it seemed that like Albert Fish liked to somewhat torture his own penis. Mm. One of his little hobbies he liked to do when he was at home involved a rose. Oh, please do not tell me <laughs> he's going to sound himself with that, a rose. Is that what it's called? Do you know well, what sounding rods are? Let when me, you let lube me, them up and put them in your dick hole, uh, your urethra. That's exactly what he Shut does. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. He put it in there, and then he would stare at himself in the mirror. Look, gentlemen, I'm going to say this out there. If you, for your, actually, I guess men and women, whoever wants to buy flowers if they're in trouble with their significant other, 
Don't put it in whatever pee hole you have. Urethra. And we all have urethras, men and women. Don't put it in there and then try to apologize to your lover. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And it's going to hurt you a lot. And men and women, if you come home and your significant other has a rose hanging out of their urethra, you run. You yeah. get out. <laughs> I. What if that's their thing, though? Get out. What because they also like to f- eat children's monkeys and peewees. Mm. I hope we get an email and it says, well, okay, we don't do roses, but we do tulips. Tulips is fine. <laughs> Those do not have the thorny stem. Um, Maybe like a dandelion. What if you had like the Seems dandelion itchy. and then you had like the bulb still on it and they blow it off? <laughs> like their version of Lion King here. <laughs> anyway, uh, after a while, he would pull the rose out and fucking eat it. Then finish himself. You got to finish yourself off. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. It probably hurts quite a bit. Gonna get an infection. I mean, every time I've touched a rose, I swear the thorns are like you know what quarter of an inch. Yeah, and they like you can't just grab it. No, they'll dig right in. Anyway, now you're probably wondering: with someone as fucked up as Albert Fish as their father, did his children ever notice any anything strange with uh, him? Did they notice that something was wrong with him, either during his marriage to Anna or afterwards? Well, oh boy. Let's tell (laughs) some stories here. Let's start off with a tale from his daughter, Anna. Now, this event transpired in 1917, seemingly right after the split between her father and her mother. Anna recalled that one night she had simply gotten up to grab herself a glass of water. When she peered into the living room, She noticed that her father was completely rolled up in the living room rug. She said, Pop, go up to bed. You will never get any rest that way. (laughs) I like how that's her concern. Her first concern. Dude, you you don't have your goddamn memory foam mattress down here, Pop. Get upstairs. How are you going to get a full eight hours of sleep, buddy? I'm sorry. If anybody, I see anybody's rolled up in a rug, I'm not going to be like, why don't you go sleep on a bed? No, I'm gonna like, say, hey, what? Anything you want to talk about? Can we? Can we talk about why you're rolled up in a rug right now, sir, Daddy? I mean, I like to play burrito too when I was younger, <laughs> but I'm not your dad either. Yeah. Like, I'm not 40 years old at this point. You're saying you never came downstairs and saw Rick rolled up in the living room rug? <laughs> I don't even know what I would think if I saw my dad doing that. I would be like, Mom, I think we should call somebody and come talk to Dad. We need to get an MRI going. (laughs) Cat scan. Something's not right with him here. (laughs) I mean, he likes to sleep on his recliner. I'll give him that. But the the rug is something else. Uh, Anna seemingly just returned to bed after this. The following morning when she went down to make some breakfast, her father was just now unrolling himself from the rug. Naturally, Anna was like, Dad, why did you sleep like that instead of just going up to your own bed? Albert Fish said, St. John the Apostle told me to. See, there we go. There comes the God thing. Like, <laughs> why? I don't. Did they even have rugs when St. John the Apostle was around? Not a chance. <laughs> like, yeah, actually, definitely, probably. Uh, those Chinese rugs have been around since the forever. BCs, right? Well, I mean, what if that was his fetish? Like, he oh. liked to roll up in a rug, so he oh. all his followers roll up in a rug. Oh, my gosh. I, I just feel like it wouldn't be very comfy. No, it sounds you just really get, gross. like, dirt and crumbs all over you. It's gross. All you- I can think of is a welcome mat, too, so just, like, that <laughs> great texture all over you with salt from your boots and shit. 
Maybe when we do live shows, we'll have to have everybody roll up in a blanket on the floor and watch the show. That'll be... We can just stack them. Perfect. Just stack them. We'll save so much money (laughs) on... Or we can get way more people in. (laughs) Uh, His son, Albert Jr., has a few stories about his old pop as well. In 1922, about five years after the split between Albert and Anna... Albert Jr., Henry, and Jean were playing outside of the cottage they were living in at the time in Worthington. Now, the boys at the time were playing a normal game of kicking the football to each other. Mm -hmm. When Albert Jr. had bent down to retrieve the football is when he noticed that his father was standing on a hill behind the house. (laughs) Upon a closer look, Albert spotted his father with his hand raised high in the air yelling something. But he couldn't quite make out what it was. <laughs> Upon listening a little closer, he noticed that his father was yelling, I am Christ! <laughs> into the air. Now, the, you this is the part you told me about first, <laughs> about this story. You always remember this. Now, what's interesting is, uh, I think last podcast mentions that he's naked. Mm-hmm. But in the Harold Schechter book, doesn't mention that he's naked oh, at all. That's so, my favorite part, was imagining but, him standing his little skinny butt uh, naked on a hill talking about how he's Christ. But here's the thing, though. It's Albert Fish. Why would we be the, we'd be the slightest bit surprised if he was naked? Fair. Like, Fair. we don't... It, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I'm assuming he could have been naked or not, so we don't really know. He likes to be naked. In my mind, he's naked. In my head, he's naked. I mean, it's more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elbert Jr. also had another story of when he discovered one of his father's little hobbies. Uh, it was sometime in 1929, Elbert Jr. was living with his father in a little flat on 74th Street in New York. Fish had left for the day and left his son a few dollars for lunch. That night, Elbert Jr. was uh, in the kitchen preparing supper for his father and he. All of a sudden, his foot bumped something under the kitchen sink. So naturally curious, Albert Jr. bent down to see what exactly it was. What he found was a pair of handmade paddles, mm. each about two feet in length, covered with finishing nails uh. that stuck out of the board about an inch and a half. Oof. Oof. What? Jesus. I figured a finishing nail, that's like a half inch max. It's like, what is that? That's like... Inch and a half is like there. That'll do some damage to your body. That'll go into your flesh and shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, when Albert Fish looked at it, at first, as anybody would, he thought, it's just dark paint on there. My dad's a painter. It's mm. dark paint. Mm. But then he noticed, this is actually fucking blood mm. on here, dude. So when his father finally came home, Albert Jr. was like, Dad, what the hell are these paddles for? At first, Albert was flustered. Didn't answer him. But eventually, he relented and told his son, I used them on myself. I get these feelings that come over me, and every time they do, I have to torture myself with those paddles. Why not just say, I kill the rats with them? (laughs) I fucking, those are my rat paddles. Oh my god, I mean, I guess it's a good way to get them. Um, If he's doing Charlie work, just do this rat, rat, rat stomping paddles. It's technically more humane than sticky paper. Sticky paper is a joke, man. They sit there and they suffer to death. That Spring will, traps are the only way to go. Essentially, it's like a little crucifixion every time you get them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just break their little necks. It's way better. It uh, it seems like Albert Jr. is kind of the kid who has experienced the most with his dad, so we got a few more stories sure. here. Now, sometime in the summer of 1931, Albert Fish was working as a dishwasher and handyman, of course, at the, at the Steeplechase Hotel in Rockaway Beach, Queens. Mm. 
when he was arrested by the police for sending obscene letters to the proprietor of a local boarding school. <laughs> and while we don't know exactly what this letter said, um, we're going to be getting deep into his obscene letters in later parts of our series. Sheesh. Here. He's like sending those cringe letters. To- yeah. Ugh. His letters are so funny. They are. So fucking weird. They are. Now, when the police officer, John P. Smith, searched their home... Sounds like a fake name. <laughs> it might be. It's the most generic cop name ever. <laughs> it was John P. Smith. He found a homemade cat o' nine tails, mm. a frankenfurter, mm. and a carrot, which of, both of which were rotten. Okay. Smith lifted the frankenfurter up and it's asked... It's just frankfurter, by the way. <laughs> frankfurter. Okay. I wish Jordan was here. He would know what these are. They're, they're, they're uh, the sausages. <laughs> What did I say, Frankenfurter? Okay, well, maybe that's what Frankenstein calls his penis. I think that's like the Halloween version of a Frankfurter. Ah, okay. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> the story goes that the cop took two fingers and, like, lifted it up like this. <laughs> He's like, what do you use this for? And Fish plainly said, I stick them up my ass. <laughs> hey, at least he's being honest about it. <laughs> Is a frankfurter good for inserting into one's anus? I think, I I mean, mean, maybe they were built a little, uh, maybe they were made a little sturdier back in the day, yeah. Let's see, is it like as thick as a brat or is it like a hot dog? Yeah, it's brat sized, if not a little bigger, maybe. Carrot, you know, starts small and gets big, so. Tapers off, I don't think they had baby carrots back then. Listen, I want you to look something up when we get done, and it's called a bad dragon. Dildo. bad dragon. Dildo. And guess what? Frankenfurters and carrots are nothing compared to what some of these people are putting in their holes these days. <laughs> well, I mean, are they lighting their holes on fire? Uh, they haven't escalated to that. They're not ponytails yet. <laughs> now, Fish was promptly arrested and sent to Kings County for Hospital. What? For being obscene, I oh, guess. Oh, for being a sodomite? Yeah. For shoving guess, things yes. in his butt? That's right. Uh, he spent 10 days here and was found to be... Quiet, cooperative, and ori- oriented. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. While Albert Jr. didn't witness that exact event, because they were living together, he certainly found out all about it. Sure. Now, another event that Albert Jr. was a part of was his father's obsession with a black cat. Hmm. Now, keep in mind, it is well documented that Albert Fish's favorite author was, of course, Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. Now, mm. Now, this story with a black cat starts when Fish approached a man named Hoffman, who was the superintendent of the building the two were living in at the time. Fish was requesting some lime so that he could kill the supposed big black cat (laughs) that was bothering him. Now, this Mr. Hoffman didn't really care either way, so he just gave Fish the lime that he requested. (laughs) Whatever. Just fucking stop bothering me. (laughs) Now, Fish's plan was to place the lime all over the basement of the apartment complex so that when the black cat walked over it, he would die. Is that what happens? Like, that's his plan. It's a all crazy right. man's plan. Oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. He's fucking nuts. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, when that didn't work, Fish apparently crafted some sort of contraption to capture the black cat, sort of like a chicken coop or a fox trap. Hmm. Albert Jr. said one time he was talking with his father and Fish immediately yelled, Did you see that? Look at the size of that! (laughs) Asking his son if he'd seen that goddamn big black cat. (laughs) But Albert Jr. didn't see anything leading to him him to believe that this whole black cat was nothing more 
than a figment of his father's imagination. So, <laughs> Jesus. remember we talked about his mother was seeing shit? Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of sounds like he's seeing shit, too. This sounds hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, if, what is the book with the black cat in, in Edgar Allan Poe's books? Is it, I don't know. Because there is a book all about a black cat. I'm certain so, of it, mm. yeah. Wow, I, I really, that's crazy, because Edgar E.A.P., that's like a contemporary fiction writer at this time. I mean, Fish loved him. That's great. He was the Steve King of his day, Edgar Allan was. I, th- I think he really, really liked uh, Telltale Heart. That's the one where he keeps a dead body, right? Yeah, that's the beating the yeah. beating in the basement or whatever, because yeah. there's a uh, body in the floorboards. So it makes sense why he likes it. Yes. <laughs> now, his son John would recall something peculiar about his father. Elbert's obsession with fire. Mm-hmm. Now, John would often call his father a firebug. John would say his father would get unnatural satisfaction from the sights, sounds, and smells of a burning house. John would have to forcibly restrain his father when he would attempt to set fire to their apartment or other people's apartments. Oh! Yeah. I don't... You got your dad rolled up in a rug? You got your dad trying to start the apartment on fire? Like, goddamn. Your dad, you should just lock him up. No shit. What, what is the Batman villain? Firebug? Firefly. Firefly. Yeah. Do you fight him in Arkham Knight? You do. You got to chase him, right? Mm, yeah. the car and jump out and beat that's him right, like that's four right. times, and then <sighs> you finally arrest him. So annoying. <laughs> Did you get scared by that one part that I was telling you about at the very beginning? Mm-mm. When you first start flying around the city, and then somebody pops up at you? Man bat? Uh, no, I don't think I did. You didn't even get scared at all? No, no, it's a, it's uh it's an interesting character, though. That was a jump scare. Man bat. For the ages, man. I beat that game. It's not too bad. It's That's okay. pretty easy. It's, yeah, it's, it's okay. Not too bad. Yeah. Now, let's hear a story from his son, Gene. Gene recalled one time that he had came upon his father standing completely naked in front of the window frame of a home that his father had been hired to paint. While standing there nude... Albert Fish was just brushing a dry paintbrush back and forth over the window case. Wow. So I'm assuming he is just out of his mind at this po- uh, that point, right? Like, What about those 10 days where he was in the hospital completely lucid and... We'll, we're going to talk about after... Basically, once we get to the Grace Bud part, we're going to talk about from when he did that to when he got caught. He was in like three different mental institutions. Huh. And... Uh, they all were like, oh, he's a perfectly fine man. Be on your day. <laughs> so he's good at lying, at yeah. least. Um, now, Gene had another story about his dad, which I find hilarious. Apparently, Albert had noticed there was a crack in between the door from the inside and outside, right? In the cement. Mm-hmm. So his idea to fix it was to take dry oatmeal and he stuffed it in the crack to seal the crack outside of their home. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so okay, so that's yeah. why he thought a little bit of lime would kill a kill a cat. Yes, he 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 resealed. I wish Jordan was here to tell us if that would work. It's, he Re- doesn't. He resealed up his cracked cement with dry oatmeal. Oh, god <laughs> what a damn! Fucking weirdo. Goddamn fish. <laughs> Another event Gene was able to witness happened in 1928 when Albert, Gene, and his other son John were all living together in an apartment. On East 81st Street in Manhattan, Gene said, One night, I returned home from work about 5.15 or 5.30. 
We were living on the top floor. The kitchen was in between the front room and the back bedroom. As I came into the kitchen, I noticed a light in the bedroom. The kitchen was dark, so I walked into the bedroom and I saw my father sticking needles into himself. I asked him why he was doing it, and he said he had a message from Christ. Ah, old Christ telling us all to jam them fucking needles into ourselves. Maybe he was just trying to figure out acupuncture. Acupuncture. <laughs> uh, this, what is the, the thing girls like to do in their spare time now? Knitting? Is it knitting? Ah, uh, <laughs> that sounds sexist, and also, I don't know. No, it's like a popular hobby amongst, like, uh, I don't know, high 20s, 30-year-olds. Is where it? Where they, like, make sweaters and stuff and Yeah, hats. knitting. Then, is it yeah. knitting? Okay. okay. Maybe this is what <laughs> Elmer Fish's version of knitting. Sure, human just, knitting. Yeah, so maybe this will be a new fad the kids will try. God. Starting jamming needles into themselves. <laughs> Now, Albert Jr. is also well aware of what his father would do with the needles, dating all the way back to 1925. Albert Jr. said, I asked him what he used them for, and he told me he got certain feelings that came over him. And every time he did that, he would have to go into a bedroom or someplace and stick those needles into his body. <sighs> he also told Albert Jr., When I can't stick them in myself, I like to torture other people with them. This is an interesting comment because in all the... Uh, Witness accounts that we have, especially from, like, the murders, he never does that to anybody. So we don't know who he actually did that to. Like, stuck needles in other people. And why And why would there be a time where he couldn't stick them in them himself and only <laughs> in know. others? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, because he thought oatmeal would fix his crack. <laughs> he's fucking, he's, uh, he's nuts, dude. He's a looney tune. Now, the final story was from one of Albert's children that comes from his favorite daughter gertrude hmm. he actually said that's this is my favorite kid <laughs> um one time while fish was living with gertrude in her home in astoria queens in 1931 they were eating lunch when she noticed that her father was squirming around in his chair gertrude said what's the matter pop is your rupture bothering you again <laughs> now fish had just recently had a surgery on a hernia so she assumed that was what was causing him discomfort Fish told her, Oh, no, no. You <laughs> see, not so long ago, I put three of those needles in me. Well, what'd you do that for, Pop? Well, you see, there's a mood that comes over me, and I just can't help myself. If I start seeing my dad just, like, wiggling around in his chair like this, I'm like, <sighs> can you sit still, Dad? Seriously. Go wrap up in a rug and come back <laughs> when you're ready again. <laughs> when Fish was finally arrested, many of the doctors would notice... That he would squirm around a lot, or generally look just plain uncomfortable. At first, they believe it was because Fish had bowed legs, and he did walk funny. Hmm. But when they finally took x-rays of him, it became abundantly clear that there was something that would be certainly causing him a little bit of discomfort. <laughs> they soon discovered that Fish had needles all around the rectum and bladder, God. just below the tip of the spine and in the muscles of the groin, he had been sticking them through his perineum, the flesh between his anus and scrotum. His taint. AKA, oh. Yeah, the taint. What are the, what are the other words for? The gooch? gooch. The gooch. Yeah. That is a fucking nightmare. That... How did he not hear <laughs> something? Well, that was the other thing the doctor said. Like, it is amazing he didn't actually, like, get his, one of his internal organs, especially god. his bladder. Oh, my God. Like, it was so close to his bladder, it's amazing he didn't hit it. And that's like sepsis city. You're gonna fucking die. 
There was a rumor that the doctor thought maybe he started doing that because his hernia was so uncomfortable that he was trying to like help alleviate pain by sticking needles. <laughs> he in was there, acupuncturing but... his taint. I yeah. That was what they were speculating. They didn't really say where the hernia was. Well, um, usually like your lower abdomen slash testicle. Uh, oh, yeah, the sports hernia. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's doing too many sports. Maybe he was like running around like a horse I think you can get on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could get them just from sneezing wrong. Right. Yeah. That is right. And only boys get those because they come through where your balls drop. Yep. Yep. But uh, I ever tell you about the kid that got the puck jammed up in his stomach in his stomach. He got hit in the balls with a puck and one of his balls went jammed up into his stomach and they had to uh, like the coach. The two coaches grabbed him by each of his arms and just started like pounding him on his feet against the ice, you know? Yeah. And that's what popped it back down. So the coach had seen this happen before. I think so. Yeah. They fucking pounded him. So you're just waving him like a dirty rug on the ice here. (laughs) (laughs) This way, same way you clean your rug outside. That's all. And his ball came right back. Did he hang him upside down? Start hitting him with a stick on a clothesline too, (laughs) with a tennis racket (laughs) or whatever they use, beating sticks. (laughs) Now, upon a closer look in the X-ray, they had noticed that some of the needles had been in him so long that they looked like they were starting to erode, <laughs> which doesn't sound like a good thing to have. No. Some some of them were, like, still fresh and long. Some of them looked like they had almost been, like, broken off and then jammed in there. So, God. like we said, it is insane that he didn't get, what was it, like, sepsis? Yeah. From, like, blood poisoning? I, I don't know. And with fucking, like, metals that are now oxidizing and going into your bloodstream, I don't know how you're not getting, like, some kind of metal poisoning. That, I mean, that's what they said. They were starting to, like, deteriorate yeah. inside of him, so. Jesus, fuck my Ooh. butt, Christ. Yeah, don't do that. No! <laughs> now, Fish himself would later say that he would either simply stick the needles inside of himself and then pull them out, but sometimes... He would either purposely stick the needles so deep inside his taint <laughs> that he couldn't retrieve them, or sometimes he went just a little too deep and then he couldn't get them out. But the taint wasn't the only thing he tried to stick needles into. That's not his only pincushion? No, he tried to stick them into his testicles several times, but that pain was just even too much for Albert Fish. But, I'm sweating. Yeah, I'm sweating thinking uh, about it. <laughs> I can't imagine the pain. <laughs> Of trying to stick that in your testicle. Oh. Like, ugh, I don't I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, we got a long, long way to go with Albert Fish, and that will be the end of part one. I love it. Part two, we're going to be talking about his other alleged marriages, and then we're okay. going to be basically building a timeline from there forward about all of the murders. So oh, that's some wonderful. of the stories from the children and such, he has already killed the kids. So At this point? That, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because he begins in 1926. Uh-huh. So it's uh, his kids, and he was acting this way all through this, killing kids and all of that, but and trying to get married. And uh, one of the most uncomfortable things is the games he plays with the children of one oh. of his wives. It is very uncomfortable. And what is it just... called? Potato sack? Yeah. Buck, buck. <laughs> buck, buck. How many thumbs up or something like that? <laughs> oh. So, yeah, it's, we, this guy is very uncomfortable, but he is, uh. He's my favorite. We, we gotta do it. He's. We, we gotta do it. He's my favorite, for sure. He's, yeah. He's... Not in a weird way. I just <laughs> no. like, I like him, because he's fucking 
he's fucking nuts. Technically, this podcast might not even exist today if it wasn't for that last podcast on the left episode that you talked about. Then it got me into it. Then I started going into true crime. Then we started our own true crime podcast, and it's kind of just escalated from there. Snowballed. It's great. This feels like a series made for Adam. Because yeah. I fucking love him. Yes. Yeah. No, that was great. Yeah, I got sick of uh, uh, hearing about you listening to the same Cascada songs over and over on your iPod. Yeah. So I said, Cody, we got to get you on yeah. this podcast life. Mm-hmm. And now I am deeply embedded in it. Now you're it. fucking on yeah. it. No, I've heard, like, everything you can imagine, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, shit. That's wonderful. So if you like this episode as much as me, you can email me about it at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. Before we move on with that, we did get one email from our good man, James yes. Guzman. Hell yes. He says, love you guys, started listening, and I appreciate the research you do and putting your own twist on it. He works a factory job and is definitely going to go back and listen to our earlier podcast and start binging. And that is from Jimmy No Legs. That's Jimmy what he No saw. Legs. He's oh, yeah. Jimmy No Legs. Fuck yes. That's my guy. All right. Thank you, James. Thank, thank you so you. much, brother. Uh, if As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Bumblebutt Pod, Facebook and Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast. Now it's time for the most important part of the show, and I know for a fact we got a bunch of iTunes reviews. Yeah, I think I think it's six written ones, I think. It's uh biggest week ever. Six written for yeah, sure. Yeah, we I think uh, ten ten total six written, based really? on what I saw. Yeah. Okay. Well. I saw we were up one thousand percent from the last <laughs> month. So So hell yeah. Thank you guys for going on doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start here. Um Tangents by Shell underscore just Shell. Just Shell. I love all the random tangents and deviation from the story. Honestly, my favorite part. And then three un un understandable emojis there. Were they which ones? <laughs> the squares. I don't. Oh know yeah, right, right. Oh, on my phone, I actually know they are the uh, crying, laughing ones. Oh, they're laughing so hard they're okay. crying. Yes, okay. that's great. Thank you very much, Shell. Just Shell. Uh, the next one is These Guys Are Awesome by Crypt Keeper Devin. Absolutely ah. amazing. Love these guys. I've been listening to them for a long time now, and it's seriously been a perfect find for true crime lovers. You have to listen now. I believe this is from our friends that we posted the promo for last weekend. That is Devin that, from so. Podcast from the Crypt. Right. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Check them out. Thank you for sure. Should we talk about the Cherry Popper here? Yep. Oh, okay. yeah, definitely. All reviews will be read. Right. Honestly, what he doesn't know that any review helps. So every review helps. (laughs) It shows that they're willing to put in the time, click a button, and write something, (laughs) which shows to Apple that they may be willing to click on the ads in the description. See, that's all that matters is that you write. If you really hate us and you want us to go away, the best, best, best thing you could do is ignore us completely. (laughs) But by by even writing a one star review, you have helped us immeasurably. Right. And honestly, it's our first ever written one, so True. it's kind of a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, honestly. Uh, it says BS by J-M-L-E-R-M-A. I don't even know how to say that. It says 12 minutes of BS before you start the actual <laughs> podcast. Amateurs. Yeah. I love I got, it. I got comments from people like, I love that amateurs part. It's so good. It's like, <laughs> yes, we are. We have never received a dollar from another company in order to no. do this. We are doing it for the love. Amateur. I, I think uh, we're us and everybody we kind of communicate with, I think, is all amateurs, really. No doubt. <laughs> so um, the next one, great podcast by Logan, Logan Green 03. 
just found this podcast. Super glad I did. I think it should be way more popular in true crime. Can't wait to listen every week. We we agree with you, friend. Fuck yeah. Thank you, Logan. <laughs> Next one. Excellent. Hello and no. Uh, or from hello and no. Oh, I okay. Guess. okay. <laughs> uh, love this show. Always keeps me interested and always look forward to new episodes. Can't recommend it enough. Thank you. From hello Tabby and no. From your new best friends podcast. Thank you, Tabby. Oh, thank you, Tabby. Definitely. Check them out. Uh, the next one from a Corbello92. It's great. I am loving this podcast. The cases are well researched and the storytelling is great. So thank you very much for that. Who is that? Corbello? A Corbello. A Corbello. Thank you very much, yes. sir or ma'am. <laughs> Appreciate to all of our fucking mm, reviews. Thank absolutely. you so much. Leave them. Keep them coming. If I can see another, when I look at whatever dumb website I look on to check where we're at, when I see it says growth 1,000% reviews, it makes me it makes me harder than a diamond, Cody. It is excellent for the podcast for it to grow. And also we're on Spotify, so hit that thumbs up there. Oh, I, yeah. I showed uh, somebody that. In the... Is it a thumbs up or is it a follow? I'm not sure. I, I think actually it's have no follow. idea. <laughs> you hit the follow. I've never used Spotify. <laughs> you never have? Never. My God, it's so good. I did it once and an ad started playing and I was like, ah. I don't think they do for podcasts, though. Really? No. Okay, nice. Only for music. All right. That that was my problem. Unless you're listening to maybe like Obama or uh, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah or Michelle Obama's podcast. Oh, Michelle has one? Uh, yeah, they've been promoting it. How about that? So, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for all of us here at the Bumble Bump Podcast. My name has been Adam. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week for Albert Fish Part 2. Hell yeah. Right over there has been Cody. Thank you very much, Cody. Thank you, Adam. All right. Uh, everybody else, have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday.